Maybe there's no physical evidence because nothing happened. You want my gut? There it is. I think she's acting. I think she set it up to be alone with him so that he could come on to her. She's upset because he didn't. Maybe she set it up that way. Maybe not. I mean, if you ask me, the guy never should have had her out there in the first place, period. End of discussion. You both know what to do. You start with his neighbors, his co-workers, you talk to Kelly's friends. You know what that'll mean for Lombardo. Yeah? And you heard the Van Ryan girl's statement. The guy's dirty. Bring me a case. Welcome to the Rewind Movie Podcast. The following review will contain spoilers and may contain strong language. That's what I was saying. Why don't we... Begin with a question. What is a sex crime? Not getting any. Today, as part of our Re-Rotica series, we'll be discussing Wild Things. Starring Matt Dillon. This is insane. I'm innocent, goddammit. Look, no, you gotta believe that. Neve Campbell. When Kelly said that we should do this, I thought, cool. Kelly? Kelly's big shot screwing me over like that cop to get... Now they're going to get screwed. Denise Richards. You know, I was counting on my mom to give me a ride today, but she's not here. <laughs> surprise, surprise. So I was wondering if uh, you could give me one. Kevin Bacon. Hey, Jimmy. People aren't always what they appear to be. Don't forget that. And Bill Murray. The way I see it, Tommy, is that everybody's got to eat some shit sometimes. Directed by John McNaughton. Nice to see you, Tom. Come by. We'll have lunch. See you at the club. Hello and welcome to the Rewind Movie Podcast. So you're the new chicken liquor. It's Gally in Glasgow. <laughs> no, so uh, where's your hose, Mr. Lombardo? It's Devlin in London. <laughs> Nice stroke. It's Patrick from London. Where'd she get those shoes? Pause for less. <laughs> it's Matt from South Korea. Hello and uh, welcome back listeners and welcome back gang. And those listeners that follow the show uh, acutely will realise that I, I, I did a little white lie on the last <laughs> episode. I said it, I said it was going to be Michael Bay's The Rock, but hey, I double crossed you. Uh, how very, very apt. <laughs> um, so we are, we're actually starting our re-rotica series. Uh, <laughs> best, best name, best name we could come up with, I'm afraid, team. So we are looking at all of those films that awoke those warm, fuzzy feelings in our loins. You. Uh, as young what warm, fuzzy so feelings are, are those, Gally? Well, the kind of warm, fuzzy feelings that all adolescents get when they're watching films like this. <laughs> and, and Matt, we, well, have we decided, was this consensus or was this yours? I think we're doing one each, aren't we? So this can be mine if you're all right with that. I went for the twisty, sexy, sweltering down by the bayou <laughs> exploitation neo-noir with a sizzling ensemble. Wild things. Was that straight from the from the video jacket? Because it's a combination was... of three different video jackets. I think. Brilliant. Yeah. There's some good copywriters back in the late nineties. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, well, Matt. Shall we do? Shall we go around the table then? Uh, Soon as your pick. Uh, when did you? When did you come to Wild Things? Oh God, that's a really poor choice of words. <laughs> uh, this will have been at the very end of secondary school. Uh, it wasn't a cinema watch. 
because it was 1998 and I'll have been probably 15. Um, I seem to have a memory of getting it on Skybox office and trying to tape it. And, uh, but the VHS would get scrambled. It was like Jim in American Pie. You'd get like a, oh, no. a copyright block. Like I'm trying to watch illegal channels. <laughs> uh, so you, you couldn't tape things off there. You could tape it off Sky, but not off the box office. Um, so I may have bought the VHS at the time. Maybe it was a rental, but I don't think so. We talked about basic instinct. You don't really send your mum down for, for wild things. <laughs> um, uh, it's more likely I taped it off Sky around 2000. Um, it falls into that category of, uh, like it, I, I later bought the, the Blu-ray and the subsequent unrated DVD, which is what I've reviewed twice in the lead up to this. So I've been watching the extended cut. I don't know if you've all seen that one. Oh yeah. It's an extender. <laughs> I remember like the boys and the girls at school all being into it. Um, I think Denise Richards was probably the main focal point for most people, but for me, it was more Nev Campbell that drew me in because I was into party of five and the scream movies scream two was made the same year as this, I think. So she was quite prominent at the time. Uh, and the, the idea of seeing her getting a bit more adult, uh, than party of five was a bit kind of appealing for, for our crowd. So yeah, we flocked to this one. Uh, how about you, uh, Patrick? Well, I watched it on Friday night for the first time ever. Wow. I didn't have the, uh, <laughs> sordid teenage years that you three had. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, I don't know why not. I, this is definitely a film that I, I think a lot of people would agree of our age group that has notoriety and we are all very aware of. And I said to Gally, we had a little chat offline, uh, excuse me, listeners. And I said to him, I, I'm, I'm fully aware of the scenes in question. I'm fully aware of like seeing memes and gifs and videos and references to, to the swimming pool, etc. But I've just never seen it. And I don't know why. I don't know whether I don't, I don't know. I don't know whether I, I don't know why I sort it out. I, anyway, um, so yeah, I watched it Friday night and I actually watched it this morning just before our call as well. Um, just, I, I like to watch a film with you guys to, to watch it for watching sake. And then second time I take my notes, but the second time I didn't actually take any notes. <laughs> I was just watching it, uh, for fun. Um, Devlin, what's your history with this? Um, I would, yeah, this was just one of them naughty films where you're supposed to watch when you're in your sort of late teens or later teens. That's the thing. It wasn't like, uh, like basic instincts came out when I was probably only about eight. So that permeated <laughs> into my consciousness at a very strange time, you know, whereas like wild things, obviously I was very cognizant of it existing. So I would have been 14 probably when it got released in the cinema and would have been very, very aware that this was a thing that I should watch. And I think I would have, it would have should been, watch. Yeah, you know, it's, uh. Your brother put pressure on you, didn't he? Uh, he did. Um, no, it was, it was, I think it was just, uh, one of those films that, yeah, you, you were supposed to watch it because you needed to talk about it because, yes, the, the pool scene, uh, was, for some reason, that was the scene that was notorious. I guess they teased that enough in the TV ads and in the trailers that that became, uh, the, the More so than the image. 
yeah, oddly, I guess that was too much to put in the trailers. So, uh, mm. um, but yeah, I, I guess, uh, uh, so I, I watched it and just filed it away as, you know, kind of prurient teenage nonsense. Although I always remember, uh, having liked it. Um, I came back to it actually uh, probably a few months ago, a couple of months ago. It came up on Sky and I was talking to, uh, to my partner about it and she'd never seen it or even heard of it. Uh, and I'd thought, you know what? This is actually like a good film. It's not just that it's, you know, like sleaze trash. And, mm. uh, we watched it and thought it's fucking brilliant. And I remember actually, uh, uh <laughs> telling, telling Gally the next day, like wild things holds up like fuck. <laughs> uh, so possibly that helped to float it out there in the ether as to why we might want to chat about it. But, um, after I mentioned it to you, Gally, I, I don't remember you saying your history with it. When did you first watch it? Oh, this is, uh, you know, I'm not going to try and evoke Genesis, uh, the Old Testament here, but this is absolutely... I thought you meant Phil Collins, sorry. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Not him either. Yeah, no, this is very much the the serpent uh, tempting with the forbidden fruit. I mean, Matt, you said about not sending uh, mum and dad to the to the rental to get this one well that's exactly what i did um i, I you know this is this is a video case yeah, you were from stoke post- <laughs> yeah this is true this is very true um, yeah we we eat our young there um but no it was uh <laughs> it was very much a, a kind of this must be plugged into my eyes straight away uh, I, I, at around about the same age. So, um, I was, I'm going to say 2000 when I was about 15. Um, you know, and again, absolutely like hundred percent. Look at that. Look at that front. Uh, look at that poster. Look at the, the VHS front copy and you go, yes, I'm in for this, that tagline, all of it. And, and weirdly slight segue, um, massive Kevin Bacon fan sat here. Uh, so I would well, you see a lot of him consume- in this. Yeah, well, indeed, yeah. I, I, I consumed anything with Kevin Bacon after seeing him in Travis. <laughs> consumed? So, <laughs> bacon yeah. sandwich. Be careful what you say yeah. you consumed where a film where Kevin Bacon gets his dick out. <laughs> yeah, indeed, indeed. Although it ends up being, you know, not something particularly special when we get CGI bacon in, uh, in 2000 with Hollywood. <laughs> but yeah, I, um, I very, yeah, it was very much just like a, a kind of try, trifecta of of i must watch this you know it came out the same year as there's something about mary so mm-hmm. it was matt dillon and uh, and we'll talk about uh neve campbell and denise richards and where they were in their careers but i always think that that denise richards had that kind of lads mag appeal so she was very much front and center of of kind of every teenage boys you know periphery and you have to kind of watch these things and and who wouldn't from the trailer of this film forgive me but i'm very interested in <laughs> almost egotistical i can't i can't remember why i can't remember any notoriety about this film when i was of that age and at that time um we've spoken about american pie in the past mm-hmm. and i remember it being the film to watch you know i had to get that uh and i had to watch it because it was like fashionable and it it was the film and I made sure I got it from the, it was the video box is where I rented things from at the time. And, you know, I, I even rang up to pre-rent it to make sure no one else got it. But this film, I just don't remember any notoriety or 
Well, um, I, I, w- I would suggest, Patrick, then, that I watched a lot of MTV and MTV Movie Awards, and this, sure. along with Cruel Intentions, right, you know, these yeah. were these were things that just immediately. See, I remember Cruel going, Intentions, and I remember the the the, the need and the notoriety to watch that. Mm. Was it to it's do with the TV aspect of like, maybe you're slightly younger than, than me, Patrick, but I used to watch Party of Five and Dawson's Creek. And when these actors made their transitions to feature films, it was built up, uh, that they were entering this slightly more adult world. And, uh, let, even when like Courtney Cox went into Scream and, uh, these TV actors making a transition, that was part of the, the appeal, I think, with the Nev Campbell connection, but Denise Richards kind of came out of nowhere, so I don't know if it's connect- connected to that. Yeah, maybe. I'm, I'm really interested in it because pu- purely from the basis of I, don't, I just don't remember. Usually, I, I when we talk about films like we spoke about Candyman, I remember it being the playground film. You know, everyone was chatting about it, everyone was talking about. It. I just don't remember this one being talked about when I was at school. It seems odd to think that Wild Things was just in a East Midlands black spot. Because <laughs> <laughs> the northwest and northeast of England were all all in for this. Didn't have the same kind of like I was saying. Didn't have the same reputation as something like Basic Instinct. That was the that was the big hit. That was the naughtiest of the naughty films. Whereas you know, I guess because Wild <laughs> Wild Things is uh, is a little more relatable because of the cast and the stars and stuff. You know, it's like yeah, there's something about Mary so Matt Dillon you're aware of. Bill Murray's mm, like yeah. your childhood fave. Uh, mm-hmm. Uh, and, and like you said, Neve Campbell coming across from, I only really knew her from Scream. I'd never really seen Party of Five. We're very early in this and about the film, but people who are listening now know that there's a little bit of nudity in this film, including Kevin Bacon's Lardon, which is one of my favorite jokes from you. Um, that's a very, <laughs> that's hilarious. But why didn't Neve Campbell expose herself, so to speak? She has a no nudity clause in her contract. She gave an interview and she said uh, earlier in her career, she did back nudity. And, uh, and then the interviewer was talking to her about the nudity in wild things. And she says, Oh, I'm not actually nude. It's just my back. So I didn't use any doubles or anything like that. So perhaps she thought it could negatively affect her. I don't know. We were uh, discussing a little uh, uh, previous times that perhaps it's the sort of thing that can put a bit of a ceiling on your career. Maybe even while actresses would probably be pushed to do so in these films. Um, it was around the time that a lot of screen capping and image sharing would be, would be happening. And uh, it, it's probably quite a difficult thing to 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 do in the first place i would have thought like uh, to just put yourself out there on screen and 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 it's even worse when you know that people can take it out of context and then that at any point that could just be used to kind of shame you a little mm-hmm. especially around that era absolutely and it's not like she's doing it for for some prestigious oscar bait film this is wild things um so i think yeah she's probably again quite a a smart cookie when it comes down to Mm. yeah what what impact is gonna have with her sort of revealing all for what is essentially a bit of a b-movie neo-noir when you say like the oscar bait stuff i do remember that um 
again, maybe it was just that it was a simpler, more stupid, more misogynistic time, or at least more openly so. Maybe it still is. It's just that everyone's better at masking it now. But if you think like, even when people would go, uh, uh, actresses would go into, you know, like, I don't know, like, um, uh, Kate Winslet in Holy Smoke or films like that, where, I mean, the, the talk amongst young men is not, Wow, how very brave of Kate Winslet to go and do a, a an incisive drama with Jane Campion. It's uh, did you hear that Kate Winslet got her tits out again? And and it's it's kind of um, not that I would imagine many kids on the playground did watch Holy Smoke at the time, but they they sure <laughs> no. as shit did talk about it. So um, I know uh, I know this was nineteen ninety eight. This film, yeah. But do do you think it was? The turning point of an era like this film. Oh God, sorry, I'm, I'm really unpacking things very early on here contextually, but it, it feels like, especially with New Campbell's uh, astute attitude to 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 it anyway and protection of herself. But we had like Halle Berry and Swordfish. Uh, what three years later? But I and and um, Eva Green four or five years ago in, in that terrible 300 film. But is, is there any, I, I feel like there was a change from late nineties going into this century uh, uh, about kind of contractual nudity can like almost force nudity from actresses. I don't know whether. Yeah. Well, I, I, I agree with, uh, I agree with Davlin. I mean, this was the, the era when, you know, your Mr. Skins and your, your, what was, they're, they're all got terrible names. And it's, it's, it's a, it's a joke in the Judd Apatow knocked up that they're trying to, do, you know, do that. And I'm trying to think when knocked up was. So it's, but there was a, <laughs> but there was a there was a there was a period of time, wasn't there, when this was it was really prevalent. You get these screen grabs and uh, and they get mm. sort of sent sent around on your dial up. Oh man, in twenty six minutes, I'm gonna see something good. <laughs> <laughs> Did you see how it was kind of planned out, like how much you'd see of Denise Richards in her contract and also in the story? No way. It was like wow. you know, really one, one nipple was agreed, and uh, on the day of filming, it became two. Um, ah, but, but everything shady, is, man. Every, I don't know if nothing should be happening on the day. Yeah, we talked about it in Basic Instinct. The storyboards are crucial, and the the communication between the director and uh, the actors, it all has to be prior agreed, so that nobody is improving anything within a sex scene on the day, because it's just uh, there's too many people standing around to say no, or yeah, you know, if you yeah, object yeah. to those things, it's just uh, it's it's an awkward position but yeah one nipple became two somehow um mm-hmm. and i think the there's a rumor that the pool scene goes on for longer but it was cut down and mm. um yeah but and everything was, was supposed to be prior agreed so matt do you want to give us a concise clear plot summary i used the extended version and did my best to get everything in so here we go in affluent miami south florida everglades blue bay high school guidance counselor Educator of the year and notorious pussy hound, Sam Lombardo, Matt Dillon, is accused of rape by two female students. The rich and popular skeet shooting teen socialite and Blue Bay princess daughter of an elite country club real estate heiress, Kelly Van Ryan, Denise Richards, 
and Skanky Tramp, Trailer Trash, Outcast, Swamp Girl and Bad Seed Delinquent, Susie Toller, Nev Campbell. Police detectives Ray Duquette, Kevin Bacon and Gloria Perez of the Sex Crimes Division are brought in to investigate. The Lombardo rape case goes to trial and Susie cracks under oath when questioned by fake collared freelance ambulance chaser attorney Ken Bowden, Bill Murray, and exposes Kelly as the mastermind behind the false accusations, concocting the entire story to exact a personal revenge upon Lombardo. With a reversal of testimony and a knockdown airtight motherfucker lawsuit against the Van Ryans, Lombardo receives a jackpot settlement of $8.5 million. Following a steamy motel threesome, the cunning plan to extort the wealthy Van Ryans emerges, revealing Lombardo, Kelly and Susie were all in cahoots. Lombardo appears to bludgeon Susie to death with a champagne bottle and bury her in the swamp. In another staged incident to neatly frame Kelly and narrow down the shares, Duquette shoots her, apparently in self-defense, and is subsequently dismissed from the force. With the case now officially closed, and the deceased Kelly declared the villain, Lombardo retires to a resort where he and the complicit Duquette rendezvous and go sailing. As revenge for murdering Kelly, Duquette is knocked over the starboard bow by Lombardo, but crawls back on board and is harpooned to death by the back from the dead, now platinum blonde femme fatale Susie, who then poisons Lombardo and leaves him for fish food. It is revealed Susie is in fact Sandra's half-sister and Kelly's aunt, and her entire motive as master manipulator was devised as payback for her childhood abandonment by the Van Ryan family. Bowden takes his cut and Susie smartly gets away clean with the lion's share of the cash. You navigated those twists and turns there. Matt's the kind of guy you want on set who you like, get me Matt, get me Matt. Matt, explain the plot. Where are we right now? <laughs> well, that was kind of for me as well. I've seen this a lot, but there was a, particularly from the extended cut, there's some stuff in there that hadn't really registered deeply with me. So I thought if we're going to discuss it, let's get all of that out and then we can dip in, you know, yeah. out of order chronologically, you know. Tell you what, though, before we get into kind of and and lesson the fun frolics of wild things, um, I do think it pertinent and right that we we probably deal with the one animal that doesn't make a screen appearance in wild things, which is the elephant in the room, which is the fact that uh, we have a we have a plot that is hanging on quite dangerous conceit of false allegations, sexual assault, rape of a minor. And, and and it's it's basically played for locks in this. What are, what are our thoughts? Um, because it can get a bit icky for for some viewers, right? Yeah, I would have thought so. I mean, it's he is uh, um, probably every aspect of it could be treated very differently, and every aspect could be considered to be treated quite flippantly here. I. I it's it's up to viewer discretion as to how much you think it gets away with it with the tone that it ends up employing. I think especially in terms of like the accusation of uh, a, a false rape accusation being leveled against an innocent man, which you think is such a rare occurrence in 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 real life, but because of its over representation in the media, it's it's something that can have real world consequences because you think it media matters at times and if, if you think that's how people build up their perceptions of the world via you know films and, and and tv shows if you see this 
this same trope being used again and again, it could, uh, I would hope nobody's taking wild things at its word, but it's more that it kind of feeds into the sort of background radiation of people's real lives. So I think, um, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's always best to acknowledge these things that, um, that there's stuff in here that's tricky and it's not treated in any way reverentially and you will not get a, um, you will not get a treatise on these issues from John McNaughton and wild things. We mentioned it in the basic instinct podcast about, um, there's a Beth, uh, date rape in that movie that we, we all felt was kind of out of place and not the forum to have a, a scene like that really. Um, a, a film like basic instinct was quite sensational and, uh, you know, there's the risk of trivializing stuff. Um, and the same thing kind of happens here. You have to kind of take it with a pinch of salt. Um, at the time there was some stuff with, uh, 98 was the same year Britney Spears released hit me baby one more time where she's parading around in a school uniform. And, uh, in this film, the sexualization of, of schoolgirls is a pretty questionable one. Nev Campbell's 23 and Denise Richards is 26. But, you know, it's still, you know, if you put it all into context with that, the threesome and the, the entire scheme from Matt Dillon, it's all, uh, yeah, there's some questionable stuff for sure. I listened to, um, a, a great podcast series by Jamie Loftus where she talks about, um, Lolita, the book, the film adaptations and the kind of the general public, um, uh, perception of, of, of the idea of a Lolita which is divorced from the context of what it was created as and has now just become a whole different thing. And uh, she actually mentioned Britney Spears alongside a, a host of other topics, one of which being that um, while you would think it's far safer to cast actors far over the ages of teenagers in order to play teenagers, because, of course, you can't have teenagers on actual teenagers going through this, also portraying these awful things happening on screen because that's not fair and not safe. Um, on the other hand, what it can do is feed again into a kind of general public perception that teenagers are, uh, sexually mature and if it, not just willing, but in some cases, you know, scheming, intelligent kind of the, the ones who are leading these situations. It is Neve Campbell who's leading this, this plot. Uh, she's the, the, the revealed mastermind. So, mm. um, again, Tricky and no real conclusions to be drawn from my end. And and what McNaughton is willing to ask someone like Denise Richards to do, he I I'd pose that he wouldn't ask a seventeen or eighteen year old actress to 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 go through it so. Yeah, but it's not that McNaughton's asking her to do it. She she'll have read the script and she'll have known what it is, right? Yeah, I shouldn't single him out as being um as being the perpetrator of this. It's the device, it's the conceit that you have to go with in order to 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 go on this ride. And uh, and and Davlin, you are absolutely right. And there will be no conclusions, Matt. I think we just all wanted to make sure that uh once we step off into the film, where the t- the tone really does twist and turn just like many of the many of the double crosses that we're not making light of a film that has got a subject matter at its heart that is deeply serious and shouldn't be uh waved away as just a uh, mere entertainment but you have to meet the film the way that the film treats that subject matter which is light and frothy 
with sugary goodness that's kind of bad for you if you have too much of it, I guess. I think responsibility kind of goes out the window for a film like this, and it's just plot point and humour. I I, I do think this is a very uh, self-conscious film, personally. And that kind of responsibility almost goes out the window because they are just trying to make something entertaining without really considering what uh, consequences uh, uh, of what they're, they're portraying in the film, because you're right in bringing them up, Gally. This is, some things are quite serious in it. And even at the beginning of the film, when they have the lecture and New Campbell storms out of the auditorium at the beginning and I, I was like, oh, well, she's obviously storming out because she's sexually, you know, I, I'm expecting a sexually motivated film. I, I, I thought she's triggered there, by something, maybe that she was triggered by Kevin Bacon because he, he'd been sexual towards her in the past, but no, it was because she'd been arrested. And I was quite confused by the politics, sexual politics of it at the time. And I do think, um, there is a uh, malpractice in the narrative of the film with the sexual politics for the, for the, uh, which is set aside from the director's or writer's point of view to be an entertaining film. You know, it, it, it's second to, Oh, what's going to be fun? Oh, this is going to be fun. Let's get them in the swimming pool. Let's put her in a bikini. Let's, let's do this. It feels like, that. can we get away with that? Yeah, we can. Yeah. We, we'll do yeah. It. The tongue is firmly in the cheek. I mean, even in that opening scene, Patrick, you're, you're, you're saying about, um, they, you know, they draw attention to it straight away. And we'll talk about all the characters' introductions because I think they're very important in this film. Well, but Matt Dillon's more than anyone's. When we have the POV of Matt Lombardo walking through school, yeah. Donnie Darko style, and everyone is giving him a look like, oh, yeah. he is just well, an well, absolute... Well, not everybody, mainly females, females giving The guys him are high fiving him though. Yeah, everyone... <laughs> there's a shot in Cape Fear with Max Cady where he kind of walks through the camera and it's weird. It kind of follows behind, uh, Sam Lombardo and then it kind of goes to his back and then mm. out the front. So it becomes, oh no, no, it goes reverse. Sorry. It's yeah. his POV and then it goes backwards through his back. Yeah. Yeah. It yeah. Sucks it's out it's of peculiar, his back. but it's, it's very effective. It's really effective because everyone's looking at him. And then when, as he walks through, I think Denise Richards says something like, Oh, I could think of something better. I could be. Yes. And it's like, yeah. You're immediately right. Yeah. All right. Everyone is hyper on. Everyone wants some wild things. I wonder if that's when McNaughton was like, I need cutaways of creatures <laughs> now. McNaughton Which, would um, invoke this title of wild things and talk to the studio and say, look, the film's called wild things. If we don't deliver on some crazy stuff. But uh, the film is not going to live up to the title. So every yeah. time one of these little questionable things happened, um, according to one interview I saw, he he would kind of invoke that and use the title of Wild Things to to kind of push it through. When you were saying that it's um, that it's being portrayed as being very kind of lurid, though, uh, I think it kind of makes sense because it does it within the film as well. The the way that the um, the trial is covered. That couple, the very short little sequence when the, you know, you've got the media on the steps and everyone just keeps calling it like the Van Ryan rape case and everyone's just desperate to shove microphones mm -hmm. in people's faces. And it's like, which is how these things were covered, especially back then. There was no that kind of sense of like restraint or decency in the media when it comes to these things. It is, it's prurient fascination 
And I think maybe the film was getting away with it by being like a satire on how something like this would mm. would be, you know, portrayed like a wealthy enclave, uh, uh, a, a teacher and a student. It's uh, it's got all these kind of these elements of of the sort of thing that could be just hyped up and sensationalized and would be covered day by day in the in the news media yeah. nationally. Yeah. 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 Well, speaking of establishing tone, one might think that when you hire Bill Murray to be in your film, you are immediately skewing for a for a certain type. Uh, and he is truly fantastic in this. I, dare I say one of, mm-hmm. one of my favorite Bill Murray performances, even though it's short, he it's, is so, he is so welcome in this film. I think that's a big part of it, right? That he kind of, he comes in, just steals his scenes and can swan out <laughs> without kind of having to yeah. play. It, it's some of my favorite stuff. Do you think stuff? it was his choice to wear the neck brace? Absolutely. <laughs> yes. Absolutely his choice. Yeah. I, 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 it's weird, isn't it? Because, um, you know, you hear about stories of Bill Murray falling out with people. John McNaughton and him must have such a strong relationship because they've done several collaborations together. And this doesn't feel like a Bill Murray film. Mm. Like I, I can't imagine this came over his desk from some random director who doesn't know when he does it. But when John McNaughton yeah. says, I'm doing this uh, this raunchy kind of tongue-in-cheek satire film, do you want to be in it? And you're going to be a, a shyster lawyer. And he went, yeah, I'll do it. Uh, and he, I think he's just riffing, right? I, don't, I, I haven't read the script, but I can't imagine there's a whole lot to the character. This is all Bill Murray, I think, bringing uh, all sorts of uh, layers yeah. to it. Well, I was really glad that he's appearing in it. He adds a vein to it that's not usually in these kind of films. My, one of the things I like most about his performance and his character too is that Ken is actually really smart and he appears stupid. It's like Columbo. Um, it's, it's very satisfying when he's the way he's ahead of the game and ultimately in on it at the end and, you know, collects his cash. And, uh, it, yeah, the, the whole thing, uh, that, it's some of my favorite stuff. When we get to favorite scenes, mine are going to be mostly Bill, I think, outside of that, outside of the, uh, the car wash. But, um, you know, the, the see you at the club, Tommy stuff and the way he, Oh, it's so uh, good. Yeah. My other favorite one is the way he yelps at the end of this. It's like a button at the <laughs> yeah. end of the scene, uh, when he realizes that they're going to get the settlement that they want. And he kind of does a, a very Bill Murray. Yelp. Just how, how satisfying is it when he knows that they've got, um, they've got them banged to rights and he just rips that net brace off yeah. in court. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I love that. Yeah, it's one of my favorite bits in the whole film. It's it, well, even his first appearance when, you know, um, when he walks into this like super shabby office and then, uh, he's like, what would <laughs> you do with your neck? And he stands up, oh, this is an insurance guy, right? He's <laughs> looking through his blinds. <laughs> Shit, where do I begin? Start with, uh... Your relationship with the girl, Kelly. She's a student. I was her guidance counselor. Beyond that, there was no relationship. Well, you got nothing to worry about. 
What, what did you do to your neck? This? I don't have to wear it all the time. There was an insurance guy around here earlier. All right. Let me tell you how I charge. There's a, an amazing callback when um uh he's uh when they when they're signing when they're finally signing over the eight million or whatever it is and um <laughs> the the Baxter uh, Robert Wagner's character is looking on the wall at all yes. the pictures of everyone yeah. that signed photos with everyone wearing <laughs> the same neck brace and the crutches <laughs> and then when it cuts to the wide shot the crutches are balanced against the wall next to the photos. <laughs> Yeah. And then the, oh, so good. Uh, fans of Bill should watch the longer version as well. He has a slight, uh, he has a scene that isn't in the theatrical cut with, uh, number two, uh, Robert Wagner. And, uh, he's, he's kind of, they're eating at a, a cafe under the tree, I think it's called. And he, uh, he says, everyone's got to eat shit sometimes. And he pours, he pours all this Tabasco sauce on. It's, it's pretty cool. Right. Let's start at the beginning. Can I, can I just make a confession? Wild Things has been uh, living rent free in my head all week, and I have, um, as I've, as I've walked, <laughs> as I've walked and, and exited every single room and entered and entered another room in my house, I've had the music in the background as if I'm, st- as if I'm staging yeah. my own walkthrough. <laughs> the doom. <laughs> Hold on, hold on. This this music is very <laughs> pornographic, Kelly. Are you telling me that you are walking yeah. through with porno music in your head? Stabbing a little porn. <laughs> and obviously, I don't have a camera, so I have been I've been deliberately uh, walking in a slower frame rate. It's unreal. Like I just. I don't know what it is, but this music is just fucking great. I love the score to this film. It is so on point. Um, George S. Clinton is no relation to George Clinton. (laughs) Is he a relation to George Clinton? I I thought you meant E.S. Clinton. Funk funk legend George (laughs) S. Clinton. I have not looked this up at all. I I do not know. I couldn't say for sure, but I don't think there's a connection. Uh, But uh, uh, as soon as that sleazy saxophone score comes in, it's kind of a a very low saxophone, isn't it? It's like a tenor sax or something. Yeah. And the guitar twangs and slide slide guitar. Well, it, it fits perfectly. You know, we haven't even really talked about the look of the film, but the um, you know the opening shots with the you know you mentioned it, Matt, the the bayou. I guess ever since Hard Target, we just like living there. Technically, this is us. Yeah, um, I know, I know. Right. But you, you know, take take a Police Academy Five mission to Miami, and <laughs> the then the just add, add like a layer of Jerry. <laughs> yeah, and and add that add that kind of Jerry Bruckheimer filter, and you have got yourself Wild Things opening with this music i just had to do it i had to do it george clinton of parliament funkadelic was not involved in this george, <laughs> s. Clinton, george s clinton is a is a 70 something white guy from tennessee who created scores as varied and ridiculous as international man of mystery oh, wow. aka austin powers which is you know that makes sense that's some like sassy kind of like 60s throwback stuff um the red hue diaries oh there it is <laughs> And out of fucking left field, uh, Mortal Kombat. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and Devlin, we never praised him in that. Oh, what a shame. No. I think the music ties us into uh, something else we wanted to talk about, which was the locale of the of the movie. 
Every uh, erotic thriller kind of has its own setting that contributes in one way or another to the film. Uh, And this one, uh, uh, Nev Campbell said that the Everglades are hot and uncomfortable and dangerous, (laughs) uh, like the film itself. That was kind of part of her spiel when she was selling the film in some of her interviews, I think. But it does kind of mirror and complement the story and the characters. Um, It's reminiscent of um uh, body heat which was also set in florida okay, al- yeah. although that was in the in the city and uh, it also reminded me a bit of angel heart um which has a kind of a greasy layer of sexiness and it's it's all kind of this humid it has two worlds too doesn't it it has the the affluent kind of area and then it has the swampy area too and uh, you you get a sense of a, a, a dramatic kind of clash between those those two worlds established in that great helicopter shot at the beginning as well i always love that i always love when when films do those like really quick settings yeah it's like swamp alligators and then it rises up from the swamp and you've got you can see the city in the background like the, the yeah. skyline it does set up the geography doesn't it yeah uh, the one thing i didn't like was the fast dissolves i hate those fast dissolves and wow. uh, the <laughs> the cut it should have been all cuts and uh but i'll i'll praise mcnaughton for that um font credit if that was his choice i love that font that they yeah <laughs> it, it, it should be in like a monster movie shouldn't it that font yeah yeah it's great and the alligator pops up just on on the title you get the alligator just popping up well, so when we start the film you know we've already talked about how we get to the we how or the courtroom scene but how we get there what what are our thoughts then to the plotting because this film is densely plotted to the point of almost exhaustion for an audience to kind of follow. But the opening 50 minutes are relatively clean, right? As in the, there are, there are pieces being placed, but it's kind of not to say it's subtle because that makes it sound like it's really smart, but it plays as like a melodrama, almost sunset beach type film for 50 minutes until the rug gets pulled so what do we think of those pieces being placed on the chessboard well they they make some really obvious choices i think that they're setting up a slightly dumber film that they can subvert in the in the in the latter part like um uh so the the clear-cut kind of uh um i guess not just the clear-cut character motivations but it's like stupid things like uh, the fact that they use uh deeply something and uh, like the and these like super on the nose like uh, silly trashy teen teen movie songs like it's you know they're pulling the same uh uh song list as something like american huh. pie between mm-hmm. that and smash mouth mm-hmm. and stuff and that disappears quickly towards like you know once you get into the the twistier sort of more noirish second half I think those are all deliberate choices to make the thing look dumber than it is their, their, their motivation for this film and the, the plot right it has to have been let's pull the rug from under the audience's feet. And again, and again, and again, right? That's the motivation of the writing here. Yeah. yeah. It is let's yeah. double cross the audience as much as we can. And I want to think that they wanted to have fun with it rather than some sort of happy farcical accident. Well, I, I, um, I wrote in my notes and, and please challenge me because it's a thesis, not, uh, not fact. But to me, this, this felt like, um, the kind of, this felt like how Wes Craven, uh, sort of inverted and 
almost parodied horror films in Scream. I know we have a Neve Campbell, so that seems really obvious to make that connection. But but I look at it and think, right, how do you make a film that seems so obvious on the surface as it's going to be this type? And then and then as you say, McNaughton, the cast, they're all they're all having fun with this. Well, I I look at a shot galley like Campbell and Richards huddled round a phone listening to it on speaker <laughs> and the composition of it and how serious and straight they're playing it. And I I can't I can't take it seriously. Yeah, it might be an erotic yeah. thriller and I had to access it through Sky Cinema in the thriller section. But I when after they're speaking on the phone there and listening to Kevin Bacon, uh no, excuse me, Matt Dillon, when mm. Denise Richards slaps uh, Neve Campbell, I, I can't take it seriously. Oh, no, it's wink, wink, n- uh, nudge, nudge. And, 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 and it's, and it's in the dialogue. Like they sneak in so many double entendre innuendo lines. I mean, uh, when Denise Richards asked for a lift, she says, Oh, Mr. Lombardo, I was hoping you would give me one. And she, <laughs> yeah. she holds onto the one. And the hose is a very blatant. Yeah. The hose, there's just, there's so many like. Give me a ride. There we go. Yeah. Give me a ride. It's just, it's all there. Give me a ride. The, the car wash montage in and of itself is an absolutely ridiculous sequence. The director is essentially Kevin Bacon filming them as they make out at the swimming pool, right? They are minors. It is such a problematic scene, but the agenda is set in the film and that is completely that that's the scene that capitulates the the entire problem with it well it does because the needle drop is so uh is so fun i want what i want <laughs> yeah. i want it now <laughs> it becomes more interesting when you place it in the kind of the the the, the matryoshka the nesting dolls of like who's fucking over who it's like mm. Okay, so the film wants us to think this, but the characters also want other characters to think this as well. Yeah, 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 yeah. uh, Kelly Van Ryan must be signaling to her friend that she... Yeah, but you you can't know that till the second viewing, though. So we have to take it on a first viewing notice, right? That's right, but there's different readings. I, I think there's... Denise Richards got slated. There's a video on YouTube that's just titled... Wild things, bad acting, no, 101. No, man. And it's her. They are, they are, they are wrong. And they are wrong. I will fight to the death on this because Denise Richards, I know, is not the greatest of talent. However, she is. You, Patrick, you said Starship Troopers. No way. This is absolutely her best performance. She is. She is. She's having to play it like she's a bad actress, and she's doing it fantastically well. I mean, I love her opening line when that guy tries to like. He's being sleazy with it. She, he just, <laughs> yeah. she just goes, fuck off. I, I love that. I love yeah. this setup of her character there. She's duplicitous and she's lying. And in most scenes, she's lying. So like when, when people say it's a bad performance, that you're looking at someone who's, who's acting and she's been directed to, to act within the scene. So I, I think from her interviews, I found her very intelligent and very like steadfast in her thoughts and opinions. She didn't take any nonsense from, from bad interviewers who were just interested in the lurid side of the film. She kind of defended the character and her decisions. So yeah, I'm all, all power to Denise Richards. 
And she's great in the in the limo on the way back from the uh, from the trial when she's been rumbled or rumbled <laughs> yeah. in inverted commas and, it's like, <laughs> and just how like because she does it again and she where uh, 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 Robert Wagner's like it'll be enough to keep our little ass out of jail. Like, Fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> acidic it's great yeah no i'm 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 all for denise in this i think she's so strong and it's just, you know she's obviously now kind of like the butt of most uh bond fans jokes because she's she's dreadful in the world is not enough and you know she's not a nuclear physicist there's no doubt about that christmas only comes once a year maybe that was the film that kind of <laughs> buried her unfortunately it's it's too it's too high profile and sadly i think it defined her a bit because like it it built to her being a bond girl and then she did uh, like a playboy shoot and it, it it drifted further away from acting in in the sense that if you think about um uh, sharon stone who did all of this nudity but and, and remained uh, a credible actress didn't poor, poor denise kind of uh, uh ventured into other avenues and it sort of took away some of her credibility so we we meet mr lombardo and again the film the tongue goes beyond the cheek that that Educator of the Year award is outrageous. <laughs> Man, as soon as I saw it, I knew it was going to smash. <laughs> the, the moment I saw that fucking trophy, I was like, that's going to break. But it's it's even, even again, it's in the dialogue. I think his mate drops the line about um, poisonous women. And obviously, you know, to know his fate later on in the film, it's like, hello, wink, wink, yeah. there's the line. Um, but his, his, he, even he's like uh, been chasing skirt yeah. at the, at the country club. <laughs> it's like, it's just, <laughs> but we, but Matt Dillon plays this so sincere. I don't know about you, but the first time I saw it, I was hoodwinked by his performance. It reminded me, you know, when he acts in, um, something about Mary and he's talking about the damn Nepalese coins. It, the, the whole thing is like that because he's playing, yeah, he's playing a character like within, within the film again he's very good at doing that but it's it's kind of um it played kind of funny to me for a while yeah matt dillon to me was like a, a genuine actor who was likable and not a complete sleazeball until 98 when he was yeah. pat healy and, <laughs> and and lombardo and it's a great it's a great turn for him he's really really strong in this i think i was just going to mention the alternate casting for that role which was robert downey jr did did he lose so i don't know anything about this did, did he lose out because that was a troublesome time in his career or what, what happened i think that that was that's pre-kiss kiss bang bang right so it's not when he would still be considered a bit of a, a liability right yeah, I think they couldn't get insurance for him. He had some personal problems oh, wow. and uh they didn't want to risk shooting with him and then uh, not be able to to complete the film with him. But I, I think it, it would have been a great role for him. But um yeah, I'm I'm quite happy with, with Matt Dillon, really. The thing is, uh, uh Matt Dillon brings a kind of um Matt Dillon can play dumb really well. And I think that uh, as, as with a lot of these actors, that tends to kind of bleed through into people thinking that the actor himself is dumb or a bad actor. But Matt Dillon is very good at seeming just like a half a step behind other people, yeah, which makes him a great kind of, you know, the fact that he's being set up here and you see like the low ebb. I love the way that um as soon as uh, he, he tells him, you're finished here, Lombardo, mm -hmm. take a hike. The first thing he does is go to like some shit house, like low rent country <laughs> and western bar yeah and and that's where you oh, get, but like, that's the, deliberate yeah to the plot, right oh but but also like it's the the plot dynamics of the of the thing or like the power dynamics and that it's a film which is about you've got the right side of the tracks the wrong side of the tracks he makes 
they always said you're a hired hand and as soon as we're done with you and then that's him he's back in the back in the boonies back in the swamps well and it and also feeds into what the other characters think of him which is that you've been he's he's desperate to marry money so he he, he isn't actually this uh upstanding member of the community he's actually just a a, a desperate social climber and that, like you say once his world collapses you know, yeah, he just retreats to, well, I, the only lawyer in town and we can get into how all of this act, how the plot actually comes together because, you know, there are Swiss cheese holes, uh, that you could easily drive, drive through, but, but it works, doesn't it? Because on your first viewing, you take it at face value and you're right, Devlin, he does play it kind of dumb. Like, why would you have them? Go- you know, I think, um, Kevin Bacon's character says, why would he even have them out there? washing his car yeah. uh, like you know yeah why would you it's so fucking stupid when she comes in dripping wet from that car wash and they backlight her and you can see her knickers and her bra through uh the wet t-shirt huh. stuff it's like and he, he pulls that face with his card when he waves it and you're like yeah. who are you doing this for this is supposed to be a ruse but it's it's for us right the audience so yeah. we totally yeah. buy it we buy that he's just so gullible so naive that he would let himself get in that situation. It's great. Even the, even that shot where he's in his office, Matt, and he gets a paper airplane through his window. Yeah. And he reads it like he looks shocked and it, it the film's fucking all over. Well, that, that's kind of method, yeah. isn't it? That he, in case someone sees him, you could argue. And then he's in an office on his own, <laughs> Matt. But that is out the window. He looks out the window. And the other one that would, would cement no. that case is that, uh, the final credits show all of these little vignettes that, that put pieces of the plot back together. The most insane end credits I've ever seen and in my life. One of them is the sex scene between him and, uh, Kelly. Yeah. Um, so they did actually have sex that day. Uh, and would that not, huh. not have been a mistake for the, like, what if she was, uh, um, tested as far as the, the rape? Mm. Would there not be, should it not be a mistake for them to? But Matt, they don't worry. They've got that covered with that great line. You know, he, he, little girls don't make him come. Like the DA says, <laughs> it's a shame. Could have got some physical evidence. It's like, no, you'd have, yeah. you'd have four, you know, you don't want to get into it, but the fact is you would have more evidence than just jism. Oh, I thought the lines at the end suggested that he did because it, it didn't, it didn't bother you in the glades and all of, all of these references to, to the previous one. So I, I don't really know. I mean, are they doing it for, for our benefit? Are they doing it to be method within the, 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 the story that they're spinning? With, with the, the mastermind that is, uh, uh, Neve Campbell, there's, there's two which are even more obvious. One is, uh, when she's drunk on the beach and she's mm-hmm. about to get her head knocked in, uh, the, the camera does a, a, a subjective POV of her being really woozy and the, and the stars kind of like, yeah. uh, uh, fading across, which, you know, her character wouldn't have been because we flash back to see her. She's totally in control. She's yanking her own teeth. Ah. Uh, also, after Ray Duquette comes to rattle her on the balcony to to say that he's onto her and that you know, yeah, that's she knows that that's going to happen. And her job then is to is to call Sam and then go over to Kelly's place. Yeah, because who who were they playing up to? Yeah, like it, it's just Patrick. That's the characters. So everyone's the, the audience. They are only playing up to the audience, Kelly. They're only playing up to me. No, 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 no. Wrong not, not, us not not in that scene. They're they they're trapping Kevin Bacon. They're ch- he's trapping Duke. <laughs> oh, but after after he leaves, she's on her own and she goes shit. And then when she goes to call, ah, uh, uh, yeah, 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 Sam, yeah, yeah. No, she's again. Enough. She's playing. Yeah. It, she's playing it panicked. Yeah, do nobody. Yeah, no, right. fair enough, fair enough. I guess maybe someone might have been looking in. 
I have one rule in films, and I always tell Melissa, like, hold up, Melissa. If you do not see them die on camera, are they dead? The Hound from Game of Thrones. And I'm, I, I always stand by that, even though we saw like a plastic bag face in the boot. I'm like, ah, I, I, and I, I got my back up there and I was like, why the fuck is he going to some boat down the road that we've never seen before and found some fucking teeth and blood? And I started to understand that I'm like, ah, I'm in some twists and some double crossing shit here. Uh, at that point and was go I, I didn't realize how it was going to develop well it should register for everyone but again i go back to my first view in which was you know two decades ago but i i i i i i bought it i bought it hook line and sinker but now having watched minority report and listening to colin farrell's character ah. you know how many orgies of evidence have you ever seen? None. <laughs> why are there why are there two teeth there and a blood mark for for somebody who has just committed a murder? There wouldn't be. You would never have that. This is where they did it. Where's the body? Well, the swamp, most likely. The guy's a swamp rat. He knows it'll never be found there, but he made one mistake. The grandmother said she'd been threatening to run away, and I found the car at the Miami bus terminal. Now, you don't think Sam could have put it there? Hold on a second. God damn it, Gloria didn't have the car dusted for prints. And my guess is, if Susie even was murdered, it was probably that damn Van Ryan kid. Little sociopath was the one who started this in the first place. Dave, how long before we get something? We can get blood type right away. Dental records would take longer. You want DNA? It could take weeks. I Poor dumb Susie. Kid never had a chance. We don't know that, I'm Ray. telling you, Kelly's next. Hold on. I'm telling you, you get off this. Right now. Don't even fucking let me hear about you bothering Lombardo. Just to keep it into the first 50 minutes, though, I have one character in particular that I, I still haven't worked out the motivation, so I want to see what you guys think. When Lombardo is driven off the road by uh, the love machine, <laughs> what what is the raccoon's involvement? Because that raccoon is He's deliberately placed. Much, He's seen too much. <laughs> you know what? It's actually quite smart because there's a cliche in directing. Like directors say, um, never put a camera in the fireplace. It was in a Scorsese De Palma interview on Dick Cavett that I saw. Directors put this put the camera in the fireplace it's like whose point of view is that why is there a camera mm. in a fireplace but if you think about it the, it's the raccoon as witness in that scene the angle is yeah. right for <laughs> the, the the animal is is viewing the uh the fight scene you know you could argue that it's the perspective <laughs> of the animal matt matt now too far great too far love it but that raccoon is on screen for about 10 seconds <laughs> And he, that raccoon is literally acting as good as I would in that sequence. <laughs> and he is literally observing what is going on. I don't know what agenda the raccoon has. I don't know what, who he's going to report to his raccoon <laughs> friends, the police. I don't know. Little raccoon police with little hats. <laughs> if, if we're giving out awards for uh, best supporting animal, I think he's the, he's my nomination. I would love to have been in the editing room because I do wonder if it was like, well, we just got this pickup of this raccoon. <laughs> I don't know whether it was like an addition <laughs> or could I look at John McNaughton's storyboards and it ended on that raccoon. Yeah. Like, was that raccoon? Could you imagine in the editing room like, oh my God, that raccoon's staring. Oh my God. Like, yeah. this is the best raccoon acting I've ever seen. It's going to be in the movie. They are just weaving in these animals to, to talk about you know, animalistic behavior. I'm sure there's a reasoning behind it all. Like, like I said, McNaughton here is, oh, we're going to, 
Uh, like, know, but he might think he is. That's the thing. It's yeah. like it's called Wild Things. Let's get some wild animals in. It can be a visual <laughs> theme. It's a really smart way of like having a vicious beating take place, but not be depressing and miserable to watch. It's like everything in this is like Tongue it's grim shit. It? It's grim shit, but it's all played in a way that doesn't have to make you feel bad for watching it. <laughs> I, I drew I drew comparisons to Basic Instinct, and obviously the titles themselves kind of lend lend themselves to that. You know, Basic Instinct's all about addiction and and pleasure and and lust and this one's all about money status and and power and 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 they and they were cutting back to these animals and maybe they don't have those three things but we we all have those animalistic instincts i don't know it was i was reaching but i was i was so happy with mcnaughton just cutting back to these fucking animals all the time it was so much fun there's a stork flying away what does it mean what does it mean (laughs) (laughs) so so matt you're not you're not a big fan of the um fade in or out especially to black no i I can uh, fades fades in and out are fine it's the uh dissolves very fast dissolves from shots that should just be cut together i think oh right 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 because right. the fade to black is like a is is such a key component of the it's the, the the unreliable narrator the film itself is an unreliable narrator it's like a fade to black indicates you will not see this this is information we are deliberately withholding from you mm-hmm. as a as a film you remember when we saw that from dust till dawn and have in the second half it just became this complete madcap like Let's wow the audience with this shit. Do you think they were doing something here in the second half? Like, let's fuck with the audience and let's have some fun and let's do a, what I like to describe, this film is the perfect example of what I almost feel like student writing were at uni, which is the, uh, how I described to you the other day when I watched it, because I couldn't help it was the, and then this happened, but then, and then this happened, but then. What I love about the film is just, if you took it as like a genre fair, you know, you said thriller, Patrick, but look at, look at what types they're going for. We have a, a melodrama at the beginning. We have a court, we then have a court drama. Then we go into like sexy sleaze on toast. And then, <laughs> and then, and then we've got a murder, you know, we've got a police, uh, procedural with Duquette. Like we haven't really talked about Bacon, but we think he might be the flawed, the flawed cop who's, you know, who's, who's made some mistakes, but you know, and he's like, I just, I've seen this happen before. I don't want it to happen again. And for, for just that, maybe what, like 15 minutes, he's like, he's the, um, he's the, the, the beaten down cop hero who, who might just pull through even despite all of his obvious flaws, even though we've seen him be a real shit for like several scenes. But also, why is he solving the case if he's in on it? Well, he has to be part of it, but it's manipulated from the inside. No, 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 no. You can't solve it that literally if you are in on it. No, but that, that's the hiding in plain sight, Patrick. Like, yeah. what, why, uh, why would, why would, okay, you know, why okay. would the person who has, um, just, you know, literally lost his pension, lost his job, be the one who's in on it. He, he's, he's playing it like he is so carried by his own conviction that he is right yeah. and everyone else is saying, just drop it, Duquette. You know, it's, it's, <laughs> it's, right, it's, okay, it's, okay, it's, okay. it's cop melodrama, isn't it? Like, yeah, you're yeah. off the, you're off the case, McBay. No, you're <laughs> off <laughs> your case. I want, I want your badge and your gun on my desk for breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> Ray, Jesus Christ. Are you crazy, Ray? Did you hear her say, Sam, that was Lombardo on the phone. And, and you saw the two girls. 
The conversation on that tape is totally unintelligible. What we have here is you on the Van Ryan property without a proper warrant shooting a porn flick. I can't believe I'm hearing this. A month ago, these two were throwing things at each other in court. They were acting. They were all acting. We bought it hook, line, and sinker. Now they're getting away with $8 million of Sandra Van Ryan's money. Which she might have saved if she hadn't set out to destroy the man's life. You wouldn't go after a guy that you thought raped your daughter, for Christ's sake. She bought the same goddamn story we did. Listen, both of you, you're not on a case, all right? Because there is no fucking case. I've had it up to here with Sandra Van Ryan, and you keep mucking around like this, Ray, and she's going to be suing us for invasion of privacy. So get out of these people's lives. Hey, Ray! When you cast Kevin Bacon, who is casting himself because he's an exec producer, you know that he's not, he's not, uh, above board. You, the, Kevin Bacon for me is Mr. Duplicitous. He, yeah. he cannot be trusted. He's edgy. This isn't Footloose Bacon. <laughs> this is JFK Bacon. And you cannot trust a word he says. So if he's executive producer, he definitely was comfortable with and wanted his penis to be shown on this film right it's not that he wanted it it, it, it was uh, i think the the towel throw uh from what i saw the the towel throw was supposed to cover his uh modesty and in that particular Say take it didn't. it's funnier quite interestingly <laughs> <laughs> quite interestingly the editor of wild things uh the editor of wild things is uh female she's called elena Maganini and uh she proposed to to McNaughton that we that they leave the take in with the penis flash saying that oh come on it's not fair look at all the female nudity in the film can't, can't we have something for the girls and uh they screened it or told him told Bacon about it over the phone and he said how do I look and they said yeah. you, look, you look great Kev and he's like alright leave it in then so okay. the hot water and uh, the zero shrinkage was uh, a factor but he he just uh, left it in it's also pretty great that um, it it sets up a uh, uh, a kind of uh, homoeroticism oh, yeah. which carries on there's one of the sequence which pulls it through as well because you know it's because everyone's turned it turns out that everyone's screwing everyone else over and that there's like sex and, and, and sexual politics involved every time so when he's in the shower you think oh, okay so dylan and bacon together but then well they yeah don't... that's scripted that's scripted there was a shower scene between the two of yeah. the two guys but it was either not shot or not included there's um one of the uh the big reveals during the credits uh, transitions from Matt Dillon sitting down and saying, what are you drinking to Kevin Bacon? Yeah. The next one is of, you only see Matt Dillon, uh, plowing somebody for want of a better phrase uh-huh. and you don't see who it is. And I was a little convinced that he was having sex with Kevin Bacon during the, during the sequence, you then see Denise Richards, she pops up and then it's like, okay, but I'm sure like that's not accidental. It, it's meant to suggest. Yeah. Yeah. Look at the composition and what they're doing. You know, it's, yeah. uh, it's, it, it's absolutely suggestive that you will connect it as he's having sex with Kevin Bacon. Yeah. Uh, and it's, again, I think that's just glorious because, you know, well done, well done John McNaughton for trying to address a little bit of balance. And I don't know, I don't know what else, um, anyone else thought, but the, um, I read an article that said that Wild Things is deeply feminist. And, uh, and I kind of agree with it when you, yeah. when you think about all the characters, all the male characters in this are thick as shit. <laughs> like when we, when we finally reveal, like when everyone's cards are laid on the table, Kevin Bacon's a dumbass. Matt Dillon's also thick because Nev Campbell's like, oh, just give me this here. I'll, I'll pull my own tooth out. Like he's yeah. literally like just, he just kind of dumb. Notice that he can't even look when she's doing it. 
Yeah. He's the, uh... He's the squeamish one in the scene. Yeah. yeah. You, you, you can't forget though that Matt Dillon buried someone in the swamps as well. Like, you can't forget that. That's. No, no, but, but we're, we're led to believe that it's Susie that is, she's the mastermind. Yeah, yeah, big she's time. the one who's yeah. orchestrated all of this. So she's the one who is leading. And then if you think about, um, the judge when she, in, in the courtroom, female, yeah. like where yeah. Robert Wagner's like a judge. Sit if the I fuck could. down. Like, <laughs> you've got nothing to sit down. the fuck down. Yeah. Um, so I think there's, you know, you could, you could argue that there's something in there. It's not just wholly misogynistic male gaze stuff. Like there's, there's something in the script where they, they try and address the balance, even if it's, clearly askew but i mean even one of the even one of the scenes that kind of laugh out loud like you could watch it from two ways but when when bacon is uh filming neve campbell and denise richards in the pool it's played for laughs like for me it's a a laugh out loud moment when they're kissing (laughs) and lesbianism in the 90s was clearly a thing but that slow pushing and Kevin Bacon's <laughs> face, honest to God, I am laughing. He like, I'm howling. Yeah, he zooms in, and I'm yeah. howling. I mean, that's not played for like titillation. <laughs> that is a that is a comedic beat. But again, we I spoke about responsibility earlier, and I, I was talking to Matt about it offline. Like you break that scene down, and there's a police. Uh, they do make a joke of it in the next scene, but there's a police officer there recording two miners making out in a swimming pool, and he doesn't shy away, and he's he's uh, uh intruding on land, and he fucking zooms in. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but but hell. again, it, it feeds into what I'm saying. Like the DA is an idiot. Like it, even at the beginning bit, when Kelly Van Ryan gives the testimony, and she's clearly lying. The female detective is the one that's like, if you want my gut, she's lying. And the day right, he just yeah, goes, no, yeah. no, 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 no. You heard the girl. He's dirty. Yes. Give me yeah, a, yeah. give me a case. He's like, he doesn't He's even, consi- he doesn't yeah. even consider. That's what people miss. I think the, the, the basic instinct, uh, we talked about it on there as well about it being a misogynistic film. And I think Gally, you're the one who said that how stupid Michael Douglas is in that movie. And it's the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's the same thing. Um, with, with the female characters, particularly Susie at the end sailing away victorious. I think you could read it as a feminist film. Yeah. Well, they, they, they sneak it in. I think about the other scene when Matt Dillon and Kevin Bacon are shouting, who can shout the loudest at each other? <laughs> yeah. And the DA is also like, get him out of here. What, who, who's behind a sheet of glass staring and then walks yeah. away? Uh, it's the female detective. She doesn't say anything. She just looks very disappointed and walks away. Not going to get involved in that. It's brilliant. I think it's kind of sneaky clever. Can I check a story beat with you that I'm not 100% on? It's that when Susie threatens Lombardo with the illicit pictures from the threesome, like when, when does that happen and uh, within the story? When oh, exactly uh, does that take place? The When Susie takes the, in the flashback? She takes the pictures. Like in the- yeah, we see it at the very end of the extended cut in the credits, but when does that happen within the overall? I believe that's, that's the, that's the, the inciting thing, right? So that Sam has basically been sleeping with, uh, Kelly, uh, mm-hmm. prior to. Yes. I think, I, yeah, I, I think they have. And she drops a line, Matt, right? Doesn't she say, uh, I tried calling you. Yeah. Uh, that weekend. Like and then she drops the photos. So that's, it's the inciting yeah. incident. It's to get him on side and then, the, the whole plot starts really from that moment. So that's right at the start, right at the very yeah. end. 
so that it means yeah so that Susie knows that uh, uh that Sam's sleeping with Kelly so he's going to be able to get Kelly on board because she's going to go along with this plan that uh she sends him off to make friends with Ray right so, so it's from their first can... encounter at the I believe so, yeah. at, at the motel from when he said it, uh that because there's another flashback in in the final credits where they they meet and he does a bump of cocaine off her um uh fingernail that's when she runs away from home because her yeah dad so, so they, that's okay the yeah they, they they meet at the bar and then because yeah in the in the sex scene where she says oh it didn't matter to you at the glades the glades is got it the, ah the, great the green neon lit motel it's pretty smart i, I like it so devlin i know that uh you were you were particularly taken by, by a needle drop sex scene in wild things <laughs> in, in, in in particular uh sandra van ryan uh, played by <laughs> Teresa russell yeah. Really, really quite going full, full Sharon Stone on this. I mean, it was uh... <laughs> absolutely destroying that guy's genitalia. <laughs> <laughs> he was plowing him, just grinding it into a fine powder. <laughs> <laughs> it's like uh, in future armor, isn't it? You know, when they're uh, at the end of the, the, ep- yeah, the episode, <laughs> this new snow episode, and this just is uh, uh, Fry and Zap Brannigan, and they're just wearing, like, a uh, cast <laughs> right around the midsection. <laughs> she goes to town on him, doesn't she? You know, when I was watching it with Danielle, she covered, she covered her eyes twice, and both on the scenes that we're going to talk about. That was the first one, because she was like, this is going on for too long. I was like, I know. <laughs> yeah. She just happily answers the phone in the middle of it as well. (laughs) (laughs) Happily. And then, well, and then, and then speaking of just like topping the luridness. So the, obviously it works on, it works on multiple levels. Uh, that's what I, that's what I'll say clearly as a 15 year old boy, but the, the threesome, the reveal of Kelly and, and, uh, Susie and Lombardo all being in on it. I'd forgot how good the, um, the, the shot is of, uh, uh, uh Kelly in the bathroom in the green light. Oh yeah, yeah. The proper psycho reveal. That's great. Yeah, at that point she's uh she's a Glenn Close or a, a you know, a Catherine Trammell or something like that. So yeah. and, and then before it's revealed. So you got my mom's money. How much? How much? You know how much. Your turn to pay. Wow, it worked! We screwed the bitch! <laughs> it worked just like you said. What's wrong? You scared the shit out of me. What's wrong is you're coming here. That's what's wrong. Are you fucking crazy? Yeah, I'm crazy. Ask my mom. One thing I will say is, you know, we've talked about like actors acting like they are acting and therefore not doing a good job. I get the sense that Neve Campbell was, was slightly awkward in that sequence because, uh, 
Don't get me wrong, Matt Dillon. I ch- thought that was a character thing. No, no, it might very well be the character, but she's sort of tense and her shoulders are sort of slightly pent up. But uh I tell you who is uh, not acting. Uh, Matt Dillon is the Cheshire cat who got the flea. <laughs> like his goon face when he <laughs> when he when he grabs Denise Richards's butt and they're sort of riding, <laughs> he's like, Ugh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's like Popeye. It, when he's got the oh, spinach, it's just unbelievable sort <laughs> oh. of side game. It's the mark of a really good performance though, right? Like it's, it completely sells. Well, at that point, the audience is not only feeling like the rug's been pulled, but we've, yeah. we've been sympathizing with this guy who's had his life yeah, like yeah, literally yeah. ruined. And then all of a sudden he's an utter scumbag. And that is to me, the <laughs> Matt Dillon getting a knickers and putting it in the trousers is the, that is you feeling utterly betrayed by this performance that he's been putting in. It's a hell of a heel turn. <laughs> I mean, what did you think, Matt? You, you, you're suspiciously quiet over there. I'm suspiciously quiet on, on that one. Well, the, I was going to go back to the, um, the love machine scene that you were talking about because it was actually Teresa Russell was, uh, Nick Rogue's muse. Oh yeah. No yeah. way. And she was in seven of his, films and i think they were together and maybe had some had some children together as well so i I wasn't really that aware of her she's in bad timing which is supposedly an erotic thriller but it has art garfunkel in so how sexy can it be oh i've seen it and not (laughs) yeah and not okay well yeah i I don't know man as as far as the as far as the sex scenes it doesn't it's not that graphic is it i mean the, the the champagne on the boobs is very um ridiculous it's almost bordering on a showgirls level of uh that's a suggestive thing mm, the bubbles yes indeed <laughs> but yeah I, I wouldn't put it in favorite scenes or anything at, at, at my current age I'd, I'd i'd yeah i mean again it's one of those that those scenes as, as an adolescent that you're going to be drawn to but in in all honesty when i watched rewatched it this time i was more interested in bill murray the one big thing I've got for Wild Things is I, I would have liked them to have left more breadcrumbs for me to on on repeated watches see, see you know see it as hiding in plain sight you know we've, we've kind of touched upon the fact that the film pretty much cheats us as an audience because the director literally shows us stuff that kind of, it doesn't make sense if you follow if you track it as what they're motivated and the camera is not motivated in doing some of the things it does. You know, Devlin said about the Susie death scene, why would her eyes be bleary? She's faking it. Um, so I would have liked it to be more like basic instincts, uh, where, where we have a mastermind character who we can track it because the only line of the film that gives you a sense that Susie is smart is that she can fix a Volkswagen beetle. Uh, oh, and, she, and she's reading a very <laughs> smart book in the uh in the trailer it isn't enough it yeah. isn't enough and when i you know i compared it to scream and i think scream does a better job of leaving those breadcrumbs for you to find on repeated watches where you go oh yeah well that will be billy that'll be there's lines where they're, they've got double meanings in the dialogue whereas in this it's all innuendo but there's no way there's no way you can track this film and and ever and well, ever in, work in- it out uh, until the credits in reference to the end the, the, the way it's re- that exposition is revealed at the end i'd only really excuse it on the basis that it's the first time i'd really seen it mm. done and, and that made it quite inventive in in my eyes but i see what you mean like that there should be more more breadcrumbs i i would mm-hmm. i tend yeah. to agree yeah because you just you, you feel somewhat cheated a little bit 
Because yeah. there's there's, no, there's yeah. nothing more gleeful and fun than being able to kind of feel like you're ahead of the characters and you can work it out. Right, and you never quite get there. It's like how fun it, it is. It fun to be manipulated for two hours, or, or you've got you've got to feel like you're you're uh, more involved um, at certain points. I don't feel manipulated though, Matt. Like you didn't feel cheated at all by it. I I didn't feel cheated, Matt, because. I think I was having too much right. fun with the nonsense of the the finale and the conclusions. It wasn't cheating me. I think it was a knowing, just like ah, try and catch up with this. <laughs> like you know, I don't think they really gave a shit about that, and I don't think it was. I, I, if I was going to describe something as cheating me, I think it was a lot smarter than what this is and a lot more deliberate. It hangs together enough think for, this for you to be is, okay with it. Y- yeah, yeah. I think the self-consciousness of this is apparent, uh, which is uh, not a criticism of it because, I mean, this film is bonkers and uh, absurdist uh, <laughs> 90s erotic thriller for our Rerotica series. No, I did. I, I didn't feel cheated, but but uh, excuse me, I, I don't mean to dismiss that too much, Matt. I, I I understand what you're saying, and I get that. I just I I didn't think about that until you said it, and now I'm like, no, I didn't feel that. I just felt like I I, I almost had a grin as I was watching it unfold, and especially the credits is what's kind of um, driving my point here. Like, no, this is <laughs> fucking bonkers. Um, it it. <laughs> I had a lot of fun with it. I it's not what I expected. I thought we were going to go into more adult themes uh, in a more serious note about sex crimes. If you're going to write it on a board, do it. Uh, I, I, it's deeply flawed, but I think it's this kind of fuck it mentality of filmmaking where, like you said, the blurry eyes of Susie is just like, ah, oh, show it to the ones with fuck it. She lives in the end, you know. Um, and it reminded me, and I made sure I wrote down in full, like, my conclusion has to be this. Um, I don't know whether any of you watched the show Scrubs, but Dr. Cox was my favorite, um, character in Scrubs. And my favorite quote from the whole series is, uh, he says, um, <laughs> he goes, those breasts may be fake, but by God, those tears are real. <laughs> And it just reminded me of this film completely. And that's not taking away anything from Denise Richards because I think she's fucking great in this film. I think everyone gives it their all. Uh, I wanted my uh, conclusion to be as brief as Kevin Bacon's uh, strip of bacon appearance in it. And thank you so much for introducing (laughs) me to this. I'd like to say a very quick one where... Uh, uh, Lucy Carley, a dear friend of mine who reached out to us on Twitter, who's looking for film recommendations. And I think it was you, Gally, who threatened her <laughs> with recommending wild things. So I'm going to say, Lucy, please watch it. I really want to know what you think about this. We will get you some, uh, for, uh, better <laughs> recommendations coming up. Um, but yeah, now I'd like to go on, Matt. Like, what is your final uh, thoughts on this? Well, it was somewhat of a guilty pleasure back in the day. Like, unlike B- Basic Instinct, it's probably a poster that I would have put on my wall when I was sixteen or seventeen. Uh, huh. Like in the days before the internet, we would kind of seek out these things more actively, and like something like Cruel Intentions as well. It was also on my short list. Um, 
I'd, I'd like to give an honorable mention to Madonna's mm-hmm. body of evidence, which was a very, a very close second to, to this. And the last seduction huh. with Linda, Fi- uh, Fiorentino, which I always liked as far as erotic thrillers go. Uh, but we'll, we'll, we'll leave it as a mystery. That's as a to, great <laughs> sentence. <laughs> I'll leave it, keep it a mystery as to what we're doing next. I don't know if we're going to reveal that yet, but, um, re- revisiting wild things. When I see that Mandalay presentation title and George S. Clinton's, uh, sleazy score, I'm transported back to, to that time. Uh, third eye blind and smash mouth. So I, I was at the tail end of my secondary school and, and just beginning college and that whole party of five Dawson's Creek thing, American pie, teen horror. It, it just brings back memories of, of all that. So it was a real pleasure to revisit. Uh, I think the writing is smarter than it gets credit for because as we've said, it's set up as kind of a dumb piece that kind of gradually reveals itself as being pretty smart and it kind of whole, it does hang together. The dialogue pops. Um, it, there's enough twists and turns to keep you interested. Um, even now, uh, in terms of it being an erotic thriller, I think it ticks all the boxes quite joyfully. It is tongue in cheek <laughs> and it, it's uh, daft here and there, but, um, it still oozes a sexuality, unlike many of its other genre peers that kind of, uh, the more melodramatic and, and, laughable and i know we have had a a giggle at this one but i I think this one knows what it is and it knows what it's doing there there was too many twists and turns for my girlfriend um she felt a bit punch drunk by it and and i think she subscribes to the idea that there should be a big reveal at the end rather than all of these uh as patrick said this happens and then but but then and then this happens so it was kind of neutralized by the end and we felt a bit exhausted by it by by the end but as i mentioned on inception i'm not really an intellectual viewer i'm more intuitive and emotional i think with my film reading so um i there's still a lot for me to discover even after seeing it a lot um when it comes down to it, i think these films work best when the sex and the story are kind of equal players and they're both done very well i think that it's and they're both very effective in in wild things just like in basic instinct they kind of play off, they, they manage to do both things very well. So I think uh, Wild Things passed the test for me, so I would recommend it. Uh, I'll pass over to uh, Gally next. Well, I think I said it earlier in the episode, and I'll say it again because I I think it sums it up nicely. It's it's pure sleaze on toast with a bit of Worcester sauce. Um, <laughs> I, I really enjoy Wild Things, uh, but for the very different reasons that I enjoyed it uh, when I was 15, which is I just adore the the dialogue and the performances and just the kind of the winking and tongue in cheek nature of it all. Um, I think it is uh, harmless if you meet it at its conceit, the way that the film treats it. Uh, but I can totally, totally understand why some people are going to get five minutes in and be like, "I am not, I'm not game for a laugh." Uh, if this is being used as the uh, as the jumping off point for for a story. Um, but I, I do, I can get past it because I very much neatly uh, just process it and say, right, they are not, they're not in for that conversation. There are films out there uh, that are having that conversation and Wild Things is not one of them. It's, it's not a Christopher Nolan film that's going to gonna test you and, 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 and sit with you and you're going to have deep conversations about. Uh, it's a in-the-moment film 
for me. And in the moment, whilst I was watching it, I had a, just a, I had a, as big a grin as Mount Dillon did in that scene as I was watching it. Cause I just, <laughs> cause I just had so much fun with it. Like I really did. And, um, the only thing that I, I wish it had was it, it had those breadcrumbs for me to work it out as I'm watching it as I go along, because I noticed when I introduced it to, to Danielle that she, just like you said, Matt, with Shin, kind of was like, oh, what? And no, no, what? How? And so I could see her getting frustrated because she was obviously following it at face value. And there is something yeah. about showing contempt for an audience where you don't allow them to work it out. Like you don't need to reveal it, but you need to people to subconsciously feel like that they are they are with the with the, the filmmakers and not the characters and that they're ahead of the game um but uh on second views it's just fun from a kind of an exercise and they don't make films like this anymore and i think that's why i've got kind of hold this one tightly is that i kind of wish i wish that these got commissioned more uh and i don't know when it will happen i'm hoping after this lockdown because we've all been stuck inside and we haven't been tapping into our basic instincts or wild things that, um, that they, you know, we might get like a, a post world war two baby boom craze and, and they'll make these films again to get people racing into the cinemas and under the sheets. Who knows? Anyway, uh, Devlin, w- what about you? <laughs> Final thoughts on wild things. Once again, I can't really be a dissenting voice in this. Um, it's, uh, uh, it's just super fun and it sort of shouldn't be and i guess like when we define like guilty pleasures oftentimes you'll define a guilty pleasure as something which is a bit terrible that you shouldn't really like but you do whereas i think this one has a different a different sense of like is a bit naughty even though it's not one of the more graphic examples of like the erotic thriller right it's um Mm. it's 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 not that there's there's too much kind of like saucy content really outside of a couple of uh, of quite short individual scenes whereas it's the it's the 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 kind of the sh- I, I don't want to say shameless bad taste because it's not quite that it's i mean we've all seen like far worse things in 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 films but as far as mainstream uh hollywood cinema with you know established kind of semi stars i guess um it's uh it's an admirably tawdry tale and uh i think that our, our friend roger but probably got it right when he kind of emphasized the satire in it as much as anything else mm-hmm. and maybe that's what kind of makes it quite uniquely late 90s for one thing that you could get away with with treating these subjects so lightly at that time really just because the cultural climate wasn't there to kind of to to maybe be a little bit more responsible with them but also just that there was a lot of um there's a lot of pushing of the envelope if you think this is the era of like jerry springer and the you know uh, uh everything's too hot for tv and uh uh howard stern is kind of gaining prominence and you could get away with these like with these envelope pushing and i think it was quite a short period because i think by the early 2000s it had really curtailed so um, yeah you don't really get many films like this i guess um when we're looking for films to to talk about in this you know erotica series um 
the pool is quite shallow. I think I wrote a, a little blog when we did Basic Instincts about how short really it was as a mainstream thing. But um, uh, oddly, I'd, I'd forgotten Wild Things because I think I put a capper on it around uh, Striptease, which is a couple of years before. And I sort of forgot mm. that it is a bit of an outlier, really. Um, and that it does kind of, the, the way it does sort of paddle around in the shallow end of uh, limp, looping itself in with that kind of post- Dawson's post party of five kind of teen soapy melodrama and then it morphs into another thing and then another thing and another thing and it's this smashing together of all these different genres and mm. um it's just really smart i also uh, uh what's what's interesting is when you talk to people about this film now what it is that they remember of it and what they'll bring up immediately uh you'll get uh pool scene threesome and people will say that, <laughs> oh, and the end where it's just like all these twists over and over and like the, the end credits. And I think people, um, quite reasonably expand that in their memory because, uh, because it is such a deluge of information. Whereas when you go back, it's, I think there's only four, uh, reveals and they're all very short scenes as well. Mm-hmm. So it's yeah. possibly that people are painting details back in from earlier in the film, uh, I, I think it's definitely a film where people would say that this yes. saw more than they actually do. Yeah, which is great. Thing. I mean, that's that's a really great thing about it. So you know, it's uh, and I don't know, dumb smart is always a really, I think, a great thing to be in uh, in in like mass entertainment. Like if you can be both of those things at the same time, dumb being a kind of pejorative, but really just entertaining, just like wanting to entertain. There's 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 fun stuff in it. Uh, I noticed that, like, just as an example, it was like a stupid little thing where, uh, after the threesome sequence before Neve Campbell says, uh, what's eight and a half million split three ways. And then the very next scene, uh, Kevin Bacon is, is tapping away on a computer and he's in Sam's bank account and he's transferred exactly five million six hundred and fifty thousand away to an offshore account, which is essentially two thirds. As as cool because it's on screen for like a couple of seconds, and I thought I was very clever for having spotted it until he then (laughs) says it in dialogue (laughs) straight after. (laughs) It's like for those of you who aren't keeping up, we will make sure that all of the things are said. Well, um, I think what we'll do is we will we'll keep our next rerotica a secret, Mm. mainly because yes, mainly because it would be. It wouldn't be fitting with the genre of the series to reveal all just yet. It's about <laughs> anticipation. The teens, <laughs> we say. So, um, so we'll, we'll keep it. We'll keep those sandwiches in our lunch boxes. Oh, do you want to know where it's available? Yeah. Let's, let's do it, Matt. Where's it available? Well, in America, it says Fubo and Tubi, whatever that is, uh, streaming on those. Jesus Christ. They're just making them up now. Yeah, uh, you can rent it in America on Amazon, uh, Fandango, Voodoo, uh, Apple, YouTube, and on uh, in England, our friends in England can stream it on Now TV, rent it on Amazon, uh, YouTube, Sky Store. I don't know how you guys saw it. You can get it on uh, on Sky. It's just on Sky Cinema yeah. right now. Um, it's pretty prevalent, isn't it? The DVD. Uh, is there a Blu-ray of Wild Things? I would. There is. You can get the unrated version on Blu-ray. Oh, the unrated! My God. I'll do it um, cool well fantastic well uh, we will we will say our goodbyes then shall we team it's Galley and Glasgow signing out stay safe everyone uh, my mother would kill me if she knew I took the rover it's Evelyn in London you were supposed to spy on them not film some porn flick it's Patrick from London 
The Buccaneers are number one, and don't you forget it. It's Matt in South Korea. We'll see you next time on the Rewild Movie Podcast. Thanks for listening, everybody. Yeah.